Doesn't that just make you want to dance? I'm glad some of you didn't. But anyway, it, it does kind of make me want to dance. Hey, we uh, like to welcome you this morning to Crossroads. We're in a series called Chasing Carrots. Chasing Carrots, which is the continual pursuit of more, right? Because it seems in this world we never have enough. Today I want to talk to you about something that I believe impacts every single one of us here. I know it certainly impacts me. We're going to talk about chasing the carrot of money and things. Material stuff and money from this world. And before we dive in, though, I just want to get a little help from all of you because it's always more fun when you participate. And be honest, you're in church. God knows. How many of you would say honestly, and the key is honestly, that you wouldn't mind being rich? Raise your hand. Oh, cool. Most, most are being honest. I like that. I'm wondering about this. How many of you know somebody that is rich? Okay. Have you ever, <laughs> you ever looked at somebody that you know that's rich and you thought to yourself, like, if I was rich, I'd be better at being rich than they're at being rich? Like, I mean, some people you might know they're rich, but you'd kind of say, if I was being honest, they're kind of dumb rich, and I think I could be smart rich and do a better job than they are, right? <laughs> it's a little more of a difficult question. How many of you are really, really rich? Cool. I like it. Some people are taking notes. Oh, I got to talk to them after church. Here's what I know about you. Most of us, most of us just said by not showing our hands that we're not rich. But we'd love, based on our idea, we'd love to be very, very rich. We're not rich, but we'd like to be rich. And because we're not rich, or we don't feel rich, most of us are chasing that carrot of continually getting more. We want more money, we want more stuff, because it would take, if I could just have a little bit more money, if I could have a little bit more stuff, if we could live somewhere else, drive something else, if we just had more cushion in our lives, we think everything would be better. That's why we chase that carrot. Now, I found this very interesting. They did a survey, and they asked people this, what would you be willing to do for $5 million? You can play along if you want. I'll tell you what people said, and you can tell me if you'd do that. This, get this, this first one was kind of odd. 54% of people that were surveyed, what would they do for $5 million? 54% of people said they would listen to country music for the rest of their life for $5 million. I don't know about you, but I'm in that group. How about you? Anybody else do that? Turn your radio on every time? I mean, honky-tonk, whatever you, hey, for $5 million, sign me up, right? It goes downhill from there. 42% of people that were surveyed said for $5 million, they'd have all their teeth pulled. <laughs> I guess you could buy new ones. I don't know if you had $5 million, but I, I don't think I'm signing up for that one. It gets more disturbing to me than that. No joke, and I'm not even going to ask if you'd do this next one or not, because quite frankly, I don't want to know. 50% of people surveyed, this is a real deal, 50% of people surveyed, what would you do for $5 million? 50%, one out of every two, do the math in this room, said that they would allow one random person to die somewhere in the world for $5 million. 
That's scary to me. And 24% of people surveyed for $5 million said they would live in complete solitude for the next 20 years. I'm like, no way. What are you going to do after that? You got $5 million, but you've been alone for $20 million. Nobody would want to spend any time with you, I got to believe. But anyway. So what am I saying in all of that? It's amazing what we'll do chasing this carrot of money and stuff. Now, of the, the other interesting thing to me is because most of us in this room say we're not rich. We know somebody that's rich. We'd like to be rich. They asked people here. This was very interesting to me. They did, Gallup did a poll and they surveyed people and said, what is rich to you? And they found out that depending on where people were, everybody had a little different idea of what rich would be. For instance, they asked people that made $35,000 or $30,000 a year. Okay, some of you might be in that category. $30,000 a year, they said, what, what would it take for you to be rich? People that made thirty dollars to $35,000 a year, you know what they said? How much they'd need to be rich? $74,000. If they had $74,000, they'd consider themselves rich, which is odd because some of you sitting here today say, I'm in that category. Let me just tell you, $74,000 for where we're sitting doesn't feel very rich, right? They asked people that make $74,000 a year, the people that were at that rich category for people making 30 to 35, what would you consider to be rich? Like how much would you have to make? The people that made $74,000 a year said we'd need 150,000 to be rich. Now maybe you're sitting here at 100, 150,000. You're like, yeah, but we got kids in college and we got this and we got this and we got this and trust me, that's not that rich. So they asked people that, that were making six figures, that were well into six figures, over 100,000, a couple hundred thousand, how much do you need to be rich? You know what people that are making six figures said? We would need five million in assets. That's what we'd feel rich. So the poor slug making two million, you know, he's got two million in assets. They're like, gee whiz, I can't be satisfied. It's got to be at least five million, right? What do I say to all that? No matter where you're at, there's a line that's ahead of you. That line always moves. I look back on my life and listen, I was an engineer. I made this and then I gave up that to go into ministry and I went to here. And then through the years, I've kind of kept going up a little bit. And if you had asked me 20 years ago, if I would make what I'm making today, would I be satisfied and would you be good? And I'd have said yes. And I'm making that or more. And every time I've got to one of those thresholds, guess what happened to the carrot? Guess what happened to the line? It kept moving. Anybody with me? Some of you are making more money than you ever dreamed you'd make and you're still not necessarily rich. You don't consider yourself rich and you're still chasing that carrot. So the question is, what do you need to be happy? What do you need to feel rich? What do you really need to be satisfied in life? Most people, if we're honest, we would say just a little bit more, obviously. That's what we're going to talk about today. So what's the answer? Well, Take out your message outlines if you would. There, we're going to start with a story in God's word in Luke's gospel. Jesus talked so much about this perspective. He wanted us to get the right perspective on money and stuff because he loves us. And so he shares story after story after story all through the Bible because he knew how much of an issue this would be for us. We're going to pick up that story in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Notice what Jesus said. He said to a group of people, watch out. That'll get your attention, right? You start a sentence with, watch out. And then he says, be on guard. In other words, 
Something's coming that's dangerous. You gotta be looking out. Watch out, something's coming. Watch out, be on your guard, get this, against all kinds of greed. He goes on to say why? Because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He's saying, listen, the quality of your life, you're gonna be tempted to think the quality of your life is based on what you have and how much you have, but that's not it. So be on your guard. Be very careful because the culture in which you live in will tell you you need more. You, you need this and you need that. Culture has a way of telling us that whatever we don't need is what we do need to be satisfied and fulfilled. Right? We're just, I was just talking to the lobby this morning and the lady said, you know what? I got off of Facebook but I did it before you talked about it last week. Not that I told everybody to get off Facebook, but if you weren't here, you can just pick up a CD or whatever. But she said, I can go on Amazon or whatever, and I can shop for one thing. And within a minute or two, if I get on Facebook, they keep giving me ads about the thing that I just looked at. Somebody's pretty brilliant, right? But what does it tell us? It's that's what you need. That, oh, that's what you act like you want. Well, that's what you need. And if you just had this and you need more of this and that's what's missing and that's why you're not fulfilled, the carrot keeps moving. That's why Jesus said here, be on your guard. Your life, I know you're going to think it does, but your life does not consist of an abundance of your stuff. Jesus tells another story about a rich guy. He talked about this guy in Luke chapter 12. And it was a guy who was rich, and he, he was rich, and he was a farmer. We all know all farmers are rich, except this year, right? Um, just a joke. Not, it's not a fun joke, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. This guy had a bumper crop year, though. He evidently had like a record year and he was faced with a real serious problem. His serious problem was he had such a great year that the barns that he'd had, and we don't know how many years he'd had the same barns, but he had such a crop that he wasn't going to have a room enough to store all that came in. Now that's a problem. Now what I find interesting is about how the guy solves the problem and how he thinks he's going to solve the problem. My thought is if I didn't have enough barns and that was really a problem and I wasn't going to sell it off, if I felt I needed to store it all and keep it all to myself or whatever, I would just add new barns, right? I guess unless you're out of property, but if you've got so much land that you've had all these crops, you ought to have some property. But what he decides to do is he's going to tear down the barns that he has and he's going to build bigger barns. Well, that's a way to do it as well. And Jesus tells this story, and here's what Jesus says about that rich farmer. Verse 20 and 21 of Luke chapter 12. He says, you fool. <laughs> this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone, anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, here's what's fascinating to me about this story. Some people say, see, I knew it's, you're not supposed to be rich. That's a problem. No, that's not the deal. That's, God didn't get upset with the man. He didn't call the man a fool for being rich. That wasn't the deal. There's no problem being rich. The problem is, is God said you're rich in the wrong thing. It's nothing wrong with having stuff and having a lot of it. And we'll talk about why that's true in a little bit. But he said, listen, the reason he called him a fool is because he was rich in the world, but he wasn't rich towards the things of God. He'd chased so many carrots and accumulated so many carrots, but he wasn't really focusing on what really mattered, the things that were really going to last, which wasn't the barns or the stuff in the barns. And he was missing out completely on the purpose of life. And God says, your, night, your life's going to be over tonight, and then what? 
That's a profound idea, isn't it? So what I want to do today is I want to tell you there's some good news and some bad news about this whole money and stuff and being rich and not being rich thing. So let me ask you, would you rather have the bad news first or the good news first? Well, we got to do the good news first because I thought I have it on your notes. I appreciate your opinion. (laughs) You really didn't have a choice. Anyway, so let's look at the good news first. The good news first about money and stuff. The good news is this. Write down, I am rich. The good news is we're rich. You and I, I am rich. Some of you are going to have a hard time writing that down. I know you are. You're like, hey, I'm, this is my notes. No, I'm not rich. You already asked this if I was rich. You didn't see my hand go up, did you? You know why you don't feel rich? Because there's more carrots out there that you're chasing. You know why you're rich? Because you have sometimes more month left over at the end of your money. You've always had a wish list. You still have a wish list. You say, no, 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 there's no way I am rich. But I know someone's rich, right? I'd like to be, but I'm not. Stay with me. Let me give you a little bit of perspective, if you would. Do you realize that as we're breathing here today, across the globe, not the United States, across the entire globe of population of people, that there is roughly 3 billion, not million, there's roughly 3 billion people on this planet today that live off of less than $2 a day. Some of you spent two and a half times that on your way to church picking up your coffee. Nothing wrong with you buying a cup of coffee. That's not my deal. Just to put things in perspective. After church today, you know what I know? Many of you are not going home to eat. Many of you are going to a restaurant somewhere, whether you pick it up to go or whether you sit in, but you're going to go to a restaurant. And you're probably going to drive by a dozen restaurants to get to the restaurant of your choice where you're going to go in and they're going to give you a menu or you're going to read a menu and you can lift all these ideas and you kind of do what I do and what am I kind of in the mood for and does that sound good and what about that? And then somebody's going to prepare it. Not only is someone going to prepare it, somebody milked that cow to get the milk. Somebody gathered those eggs from the chicken, right? Somebody cut the head off of the chicken, which I know is pretty gross, but apparently that's what has to happen for you to get chicken. Um, And and all of that, and they're going to prepare it for you, and they're going to bring it out to you, or they're going to hand it through the window. And (laughs) that's how rich we are. You and I probably have a device, whether it's your phone. I mean, think about this. You, if there's a song that came out last week, you can listen to it today, and it can be delivered not through the mail, not through order, not going to a store. It just shows up on your device by the click of a button, and you can listen to it. You can go home tonight, and through Netflix or one of those other ways, you can pretty much watch any movie known to man at the touch of a button. And we're still not satisfied. I've got air conditioning in my home. Consumers tells me all the time. I think I set a record for what consumer bills should be every month. But I don't care. I told my wife, I will go without eating before I go without air conditioning. I'm going to pay for this. And we do. 
And then I don't know about you, but then if my power goes out for like two hours, I am like panicking. I am like freaking out. I'm like, I can't even breathe here. Like, what are we going to have to do? I don't care if I have to go to a hotel. I'm going somewhere with air conditioning. You know, sometimes you know how rich you are by the stuff that bothers you. We get frustrated. You go to a fast food restaurant. It took six minutes to get your food and you're livid. What's wrong with these idiots? They can't even, I, I ordered sauce for my nuggets and they weren't, hey, how hard does it put one thing of sauce in there? I wanted it for my fries, now they want to charge me for it, but they didn't even give it to me. What's wrong with these people? When you're rich, you can kind of know you're rich by some of the stuff that just bugs you. But the good news is, listen, let's just come to grips with the truth and the reality is we're really rich. Let me just acknowledge the fact that there's probably some people here that are on such a limited income. You don't feel rich at all, and you got financial situations. you got medical bills. You're fighting, literally, you feel like, to keep your head above water, and I don't want to diminish the reality of your world. But overall, the vast majority of the people that are hearing my voice right now we're way richer than we think we are. We're doing all right. In the scope of things, we're doing all right. I say all that to say this. Compared to the vast majority of people on this planet, you and I are really rich. And you know what I know based on that story about life can be over like that? I don't know about you, but I've decided that I want to be good at being rich because there's a God that knows what he puts into my hands. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to be rich in a way that honors God with the things that God puts in my hand, whether it's a lot, 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 and I'm very, very, very rich, or if I'm just rich. So in order to do that, first, we have to acknowledge that we're rich. And not only do I need to acknowledge that, I want you to acknowledge that. So why don't we, and just, just not for fun, but for reality, because I want this to sink in. Can you just say out loud with me, I'm rich. I'm rich. Now I want you to say it with a smile on your face and a little gratitude, and like you really believe it, say, I'm rich. Now let's think about this for a second. Some of us have a hard time saying that, and you're probably glad your kids aren't in here to see that because they think you're rich already. Or they may not understand rich, but they think whatever they want, you should be able to provide them. And some of us in this room, listen, I know some of you had a hard time saying that, and you might have said it because you didn't want people around you to look like you don't say it, and you, you, maybe you're doing it for me, but listen, you may not believe it. Some of you might be a little embarrassed by it. Like you feel almost guilty to say, I'm rich. And I get that. But I want to give you a little bit more perspective. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, we talked about him last year or last week and how he got so wise. But he said this about God. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth, who gives someone wealth? According to Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, God does. Our God gives wealth. But I'm a self, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No, you don't understand. God gave you the wealth. 
Yeah, but you don't understand. I am smart. I, where'd you get your brain? I'm good with my hands. Where'd you get those hands? Who do you think gave you that skill, that ability to learn? God did. God gave you the gifts. You were born in a place that gave you more opportunities than probably any other place on the earth. How did that happen? Anybody here pick to be born in the United States of America? You have a document where you signed up somewhere. No. Who did that? God did. Why? I don't know. But we're not self-made. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, what is this? This is a gift from God. Don't ever be apologetic or embarrassed to talk about a gift that you've received from God. A blessing that you have. Why do some people have great health and other people don't? I don't know. But I can't take credit for my good health. I'm just thankful to God. People could say, well, you and your wife seem to have a great marriage. You know what? I don't say, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we do. I wish we didn't. I wish ours stunk like yours does, but it doesn't. (laughs) What, What other area of your life do you apologize for? You have a very nice looking home. We're sorry. We wish it was trashed. I mean, how odd is that? But for some area in money, 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 why did God talk so much? Because he knew the hangups we have. He wants us to get it right. Don't ever apologize for a blessing that God has given you. And based on that scripture, listen, it's a gift from God. We need to understand that. Never forget it so you don't take credit for something God has given. Doesn't mean you haven't worked hard. Doesn't mean you haven't put in some due. That's not what I'm saying. But the good news is you and I are rich. And I want to be better at being rich. Because I'm not always good at being rich. Maybe you aren't either. But that's the good news. But there's bad news. And here's the bad news is. The bad news is I'm rich. The good news is I am rich. You're rich. The bad news is I'm rich. And so are you. That's bad news. You say, what's the bad news? I thought it was good news. It is good news. But you know why it's also bad news? Because it put, it's a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. And spiritually, for me, it's a disadvantage. You say, why is it a disadvantage? Well, I'll let Scripture answer this because Jesus had a meaningful conversation with a rich guy. And we'll look at some spiritual disadvantages. It literally kept him, this man, from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. I would say that's a disadvantage. Look at Luke chapter 18, verse 24 and 25. Jesus looked at this man, this rich guy, and he said, How hard is it for the rich to, this man asked, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 25, indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, you might from the outside say, well, that's an impossibility. There's no way a camel could go through the eye of a needle. But if you'll understand history and you want to go back and research this, I don't have time for it today. It was a literally opening where a camel could go through, but it was very difficult. The camel had to kneel. It had to scrunch in. It was a literal place, and they understood this. So it's not an impossibility, nor was God saying that if you're rich, you can't get into heaven. He's just saying it's difficult. Why? Because we get chasing carrots, and we lose perspective of what life is really about, kind of like the farmer, kind of like this guy. It can be a tremendously disadvantaged spiritually. Okay? <laughs> Being rich, you know one of the disadvantages for me and probably for you? How many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Pretty much. Do you know the part in there about give us today our daily bread? You know what I know about most of us that are rich? I can't remember the last time 
that things were so desperate in my house that I needed to trust God for my next meal. Not saying nobody in this room has had that issue, but for me, it's been a long, long time. My cabinets, our cupboards are pretty full. Matter of fact, sometimes they're so full, I'll still say, ah, we don't have anything to eat. Let's go get something. That's what rich people can do. It gives you a lot of options. It's a spiritually disadvantaged because the things that God wants us to rely on him for, oftentimes we're so rich and we, it's been that way for so long that we don't even think that way anymore. That's not true for everyone on this globe today. Go to a developing nation. Go with us and one of our mission teams to Romania or Honduras on a mission trip. You will quickly see that everybody doesn't live like us. On day number one, you'll be shocked. Your stomach probably will be turned because of the extreme poverty that you witness with your own eyes. You won't believe what you see. You will feel so much sorrow and so have so much compassion for these little kids that hair is literally falling out or changing colors and you can see literally their skeleton because they don't have enough to eat. Day three or four, you know what? Things are going to start to shift. And you're going to start to have something and feel something that maybe you've never felt before. You're going to almost start to get a little envious as you watch them because they seem to have something that you don't seem to have. They tend to have this closeness with one another. They seem to have this closeness with God. They tend in their prayers to be praying for things like daily bread and this things of really relying on God and you start to, it starts to dawn on you that the prayers that they pray, you've never really had to pray before. And so they obviously are in a position that many of us have never been in before. And there's something about that as odd as that sounds that is actually drawing. And we're like, wow, I'm almost envious of that. And by the time you leave after a week, you are pretty envious Not that you'd want to totally change places with them in every aspect, but you notice they don't have a lot of stuff to manage. So because they aren't chasing a lot of carrots in stuff, they spend a lot of time together. There's closeness there. The church is really the church there because the church really has to be the church because there's no other light in those communities. So we can just start to see that there really is a spiritual disadvantage. It can be for being rich. But there's nothing wrong with being rich. I believe God never says nothing wrong with being rich. He just doesn't want us to lose perspective. He doesn't want us to think that chasing carrots and getting more money and more stuff is what's truly going to fulfill and satisfy because it's never going to last and it's never going to be enough. And yet every day, the culture that we live in is shouting on us. Every moment of every day, we're getting bombarded with advertisements. You can't get away from it. It's on your phone. It's on billboards. It's on the radio. It's on TV. It's everywhere we turn. Someone is trying to convince us, and they don't have to convince very long, that what we don't have is what we do have. And if we had more stuff, we would be in a better place. We'd be more fulfilled, more happy. And we pursue that carrot over and over and over and over again. And don't even get me started about vacations. If you were just here, if you were just sitting on the beach with one of those cool drinks with a little umbrella sticking in the top, it'd be like all your problems would go away. 
And you're like, not if I have to take my family with me, it wouldn't. <laughs> Disney looks so good, but they never show you. It's 110, and people are sticking to their clothes, and they got sweat running down into their underwear, and their kids are screaming because they didn't get the $95 set of Mickey ears, Right? <laughs> we got to get a right perspective. Most of us in this room, if we're being honest, we've bought the lie about more. We know better in our head. We know more isn't enough because we were more than we ever had before. We thought if we got to where we're at, we'd be satisfied and fulfilled. But the honest truth is we've never been, many of us. And so we have to understand in many ways we're kind of under the curse of money and stuff and and we're in it every day and we've been in it for so long and so does everybody else. We don't even recognize it. Whenever you and I start to think that our problems would be solved with more money or more stuff, listen, we just got to understand that we've bought into the lie because our God that's smarter than we are has said that's not it and he's showing us story after story after story and he's saying that's it, it's not it. Do you know what I know about people with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money, even more money and way, way, way more richer than me or you? Money doesn't buy you one extra day of life. Money doesn't cure you of cancer. Money doesn't assure that your kids will never get hooked on drugs or ruin their life with drugs. Matter of fact, I guess we could make an argument with more money. Maybe it's even easier. I don't know. More money will not save your marriage. No money, no amount of money will make your depression go away. You see, we don't need more money. We don't need more of this temporary stuff that we chase. What we need more of is what's eternal. What we need is more of Jesus. What we need is more of his perspective. That's why I love what Paul told Timothy. He's, Timothy, if you didn't know, is this young boy coming up, right? And Paul's mentoring him. He's trying to lead him along the path of ministry. And Paul's <laughs> telling him to talk to the rich people. And we pick that story up in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. And I want you to hear this as somebody else that's rich, you and I. Hear this as God's word to you, not just Timothy, all right? Paul tells Timothy, but he's telling us, command those who are rich. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. I used to read that and say, well, we can pass by that because he's certainly not talking to me, but he is. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. I'm self-made. Nor to put their hope where? In wealth, which is so what? It's uncertain, but instead to put their hope in God, who does what? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Don't feel guilty that you're rich. God's provided it. He gave it to you. God has blessed you. He's a good God. He's a good father. He wants to bless his children. Why are we blessed so much with riches and other people across the world are living on $2 a day? I don't know, but I know that we're blessed in being wealthy and having stuff, but there's things that they have in their life that they're obviously God has blessed them with that I don't have because that's why we're envious. But don't feel guilty about it. But do feel responsible. Don't feel guilty about being rich, but you and I need to start feeling responsible. 
God has blessed us. It never occurred to the guy that had such a bumper crop that he thought he'd tear down his barns and build bigger barns that maybe this blessing wasn't all for him to keep. For himself. It's all actually not for you. God put it in your hands, but it wasn't all put in your hands for you and yours. And for me and mine. 1 Timothy 6, verse 18 and 19, command them to do good, those who are rich. To be rich in what? In good deeds. In being a blessing to other people. Willing to share because you realize it's a gift from God. Look at verse 19. In this way, you'll lay up treasure for yourself. I love this. As a firm foundation for the coming age. Why? So that they may take hold of the life. Don't miss this. In this way, in doing what God wants with your riches, which is understand it's not all for me. So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. The carrot everybody's chasing that they'll never get because that's not going to deliver real life is found in being rich, but being good at being rich by understanding it's not all for us. Be generous, be willing to share. Be rich in good deeds so that you can take hold of life that is truly life. You can actually have what everybody's chasing that will never get it with the carrots of money and stuff. I want all of us to internalize this phrase. Do you see the starred phrase on your notes? I'm going to break this down piece by piece. This, years ago, came from Andy Stanley, and I've loved it ever since. It goes like this. God has blessed me. Everyone say, God has blessed me. With more than I need. I'm rich. Let's say it again. I want you to feel it. God has blessed me. With more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches. I won't trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. These are your fill-ins, by the way, above that, if you haven't figured that out. If you need to go back, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Now watch this. Say it out loud. Because I have more, I will give more. And do more. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Because we're rich. We just need to feel it. It's really good news. We're rich and we're blessed. I don't know about you, but everything within me, I want to live this. I want to get this. My God has blessed me with more than I need. I know that's true because our closets and our house and our garage is full of stuff. I'm rich. He's given me more than I need. And I've been called and equipped and empowered and honored. It would be to do more with what God has given me. The temporary things of this world, these carrots, they don't deliver. You and I know that. We know it, but every day people are chasing it. It's 
You and I chase it. You know what I say? Church, let's do something that matters. Let's do something that lasts. Let's, let's decide that together we're going to make a difference. We're going to do something that only rich people can do. We're going to make a difference. We're going to be a blessing to other people. We're going to be a blessing to this community. Listen, we're months away from inhabiting a brand new spot downtown. Is everything going to be perfect? No. But make no mistake, God has taken us downtown, not for just us. He wants us to do something that's never been done that people aren't doing in this community. That's what we get to do. You can do something this week with this. Maybe pay a bill for a, a friend that's struggling. Maybe grab some boxes and go over and help somebody move. Maybe go to one of our local mission partners and volunteer. Get involved with our kids or our students or our college ministry here at Crossroads. Get involved as a greeter, usher, traffic. Listen, we're going to ramp up big time to move downtown because we need to, to do God's work. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and to be willing to share. They will lay up treasure for themselves so they may take hold of the life that is truly Life. I can't speak for you, but I'm blessed. I'm rich. My God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm not going to trust in those riches, but in the one who richly has provided for me. And because I have more, listen, because we, crossroads, have more, because we have more, we will do more and we will give more. And in that, we will find, as a church, life that is truly life. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you that you speak truth out of love. Help us, God, to understand how blessed we truly are. But with that comes responsibility. We don't have to apologize for being blessed. We don't have to apologize for being rich. God, I pray for me and I pray for everyone here that calls you their Lord and Savior that we would make a determination to be better at giving, at serving just be better at being rich so that we could take hold of the life that is truly life and no longer chase the carrot that will never change that will never catch because it always moves God thanks that all these good things come from you may we act like it and live like it and give like it with our heads still bowed and our eyes closed let me tell you about a God that loves you so much he brought you to here, here today. To talk to you about what really matters. And if you look at these stories, listen, your biggest worries might be over finances or over health. Can I just tell you, there will be a day that your health will give out, no matter how healthy you are. You'll never have enough. But take a lesson from these stories that 
Today could be your last day. Next week, next year, there's going to be a last day for you. And God says, listen, don't miss the purpose of life by chasing stuff. A personal relationship with the God that created you is what you need above all things. You don't need a religion. You need a personal relationship. And God so loved you that he sent his son to live and to die on this earth to pay for everything you did wrong. So that if you would commit your heart and your life and ask him to be to come into your heart and be Lord and Savior, he'll forgive you of all your past. He'll give you a brand new life from the inside out. He will fill you with his presence. And he'll give you power for living every day and for all eternity. And it's a gift. And the only thing you can do with the gift is either accept it or reject it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't pay for it. But today could be the day that you receive the greatest gift ever. A personal relationship with the God that created you through his son, Jesus. If that's you, right where you're seated. Make this your heartfelt prayer to God's ears. Say, God, I don't get it all. But if what I'm hearing today is true, I need you and want you above everything. I don't know how this works, but I am sorry for being a sinner. I know I'm wrong. I've done many things wrong. And as best I know how, I invite you in to my heart as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me. Change me. Take up residence in me. And from this day forward, God, teach me how to be a follower of yours. Teach me how to live the life that I've heard about today. Whatever I have is yours because you gave it to me. Thank you for giving what I could never to get myself. Eternal life, eternal forgiveness, and a personal relationship with you. I say thanks. And I'm ready for this new journey. In Jesus' name, amen.